This is Race Talk School Talk, a podcast about race and racism in education. And my name is Dr. Chadger James Galloway. Um, so this morning, uh, we, so I'm, I'm recording this on a uh, Saturday, Saturday morning, January 28th. Um, there's <laughs> there's always a lot of things that I would like to talk about or think about. And I spent a lot of time from episode one to, epi- to, to I guess, this episode, episode two, thinking of like, what the heck do I want to say? What the heck do I want to talk about um, regarding race and racism education, uh, regarding uh, the system of white supremacy and, and, ev- and education? And I encourage folks, you know, obviously to to go back to the first episode if you if you haven't listened to to to, to it yet, um, just to understand a bit of the framing um, of this podcast. But but the general gist is to talk about uh race and racism within the schooling process, race and racism that people of color um, uh, experience. Um, and so the 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 piece of this that is challenging for me uh, today is, um, or even last night when I was thinking like I knew I was going to record, was uh, do, I, do I or don't I talk about uh, Tyree Nichols? And the 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 situation in Memphis and for me um, it's tricky because, you know, I always overthink. I overthink things and um, I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm not trying to hop on a moment. I'm not trying to to, to talk about something because everybody's talking about it. Um, and and in the same breath, it was like, but how do you not how do you not talk about uh, Tyree Nichols and the 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 horrific lynching of Tyree Nichols by um, a handful of really not even a handful um, multiple police officers black police officers um, uh, in general but they were also I want to say a a number of other police officers um, in the area or around who were bearing witness and so you know, I, I don't intend to to discuss or break down uh, the 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 video um, of of Tyree Nichols and, and and his lynching, his murder. But um, it is important to understand the framing of of education and schooling. And so uh, my understanding of education, my understanding of schooling is that it happens everywhere in informal and non-formal um, environments. Right. That's that's, you know, coming from, you know, folks like Bill Hooks. We're always learning. We're always engaging in this process. And so, um, you know, race talk, school talk is not just something where we, we are talking about what happens in the confines of four walls of a classroom or four walls of a school building or the university setting. But in all settings, we're learning and education um, take place and, and need to take place. And so for me um, and, and without saying it, you know, Tyree Nichols, rest in rest in peace, rest in power, rest, rest in, you know, the fact that um, there will be people on this planet um, that, that, that will be fighting for you in your name, just like many of the other, uh, black lives that have been taken at the hands of, uh, police brutality and, and, and white supremacy. But, um, you know, one, one of the pieces that I appreciate 
and maybe appreciate is the wrong word, but um, when when uh, the first podcast or ever the first episode, you know, dropped, I, I said one thing that I really want to dig into is how we experience uh, not only racial oppression, um, we, I'm, I'm a cis hetero black man, but not only how we experience racial oppression, uh, so that would be anti-blackness, but also how we uh, live on, li- live, live outside of that, right? We are not all, uh, we are, we are not only anti-blackness, right? We are not anti-blackness, right? We, we are blackness. Blackness is, um, of and who who we are and who we who we tend to be in the world um, through everything that we display, despite uh, anti-blackness, which has been placed on us. And and again, a lot of that verbiage and framing comes from again scholars like Catherine McKittrick and Kevin Kwashi who talk about this again this idea of of black aliveness and, and livingness that I appreciate. Um, so much and 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 also Derek Bell who's a you know um, one of the forefathers of CRT who who noted that we also have to 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 discover and rediscover and talk about how we keep our humanity intact even though uh, this system of white supremacist racism that is so anti-black um uh, is is imp- impacting us on the the regular basis, and so um, before the uh, the Memphis police dropped or, or released the video of um, Tyree Nichols, uh, you know there were folks on Twitter earlier on in the day that um, released a video of him smiling and released a video of him skateboarding. And what I appreciate, appreciated, whatever the word choice is about that moment was the the verbiage around it and the fact that there were a number of people to say, like, this is how, you know, we want to see and remember this this black man, this black person, this black life Um, and what I there's so many things that I guess I appreciate about that because um, it was just an act of of of, of a celebration of, of black life to me personally and um, and 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 who he was uh, a skateboarder somebody who wore um, you know Vans sneakers and so you know if you watch the video on on Twitter. He's, you know, doing kit flips and heel flips and 360 flips. And he's uh, he's he's, uh, you know, doing ollies on rails and and he's doing all types of of board tricks and stuff. And someone listening to this is like, dang, you you might know a little something, something about skateboarding. And, and, you know, I I, my my pops brought bought my brother and I um, skateboards when we were younger and, you know, there's a Tony Hawk phase, uh, of course, you know, when the, the Tony Hawk video games dropped and, um, you know, he hit the 900 and and was doing all these things. Always really, really, really appreciated um, sports and action sports and stuff like that. But um, I had a skateboard, too. 
you know, and, uh, you know, um, I, I, I wear Vans, you know, and it's not so much about talking about what I, what I do and what I've done that, 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 that is about relation to, to Tyree Nichols, but, um, it's something that is, it's something that I'm mindful of in this moment. Uh, listening to Tyree's father last night on the, uh, the Joy Reid show on MSNBC, his name uh, is Rodney Wells. And, you know, he, he talked about how his son, you know, did these things, these skateboard wearing vans and like to take photos of, uh, of sunsets and just things that, um, things that, that indicate a, 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 a black life. A black life that, um, a black life that was in opposition to anti-blackness, right? Um, showing that there was a version of of his own um, identity of blackness that that was in the world, and so um, it was one of those things that watching it and watching watching his father speak, watching his mother speak, watching other people again post these these videos um of of Tyree again doing these tricks is just something that um I'll take away from this moment uh because so often that humanity is 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 left aside uh and you know that's not to say that um well I guess it is to say right that we don't often get you know, the, the, the humanity of, of some of the, or many of the, um, black Americans, black folks that have been, uh, lynched by the hands of white supremacy and police brutality. And so, um, that was something that was, was really on my heart and my mind to, uh, discuss and to talk about. And it's not to say that it's going to be something that repeatedly happens or always happens, um, you know, before this podcast um, or before I recorded the first episode, there was a brother out in, uh, I want to say, I, I, I want to say it was LA, um, but I know it was out in Cali on the West Coast, a, a black teacher, a black teacher with, uh, with locks. And uh, he um, was unfortunately, uh, you know, again, lynched, assassinated um, by uh, police officers, Keenan Anderson. Um, and he was the third man of color to die by an encounter of the LAPD in 2023. And this was about a week, week or two ago, um, early, early January. And so it, it's, it's one of those things, um, that of course we have to keep talking about and we have to keep mentioning and we have to keep bringing up because it's always going to be unacceptable, and it's always going to be unacceptable that it's been happening to black men. And it's always going to be unacceptable that it's happening to black women. And it's always going to be unacceptable that it's happening to um, our black trans and non-binary folks, uh, as it happens so often um, to to all of us in the uh, black community, even though all of it doesn't gain um, the necessary attention that it should. And so, you know, when 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 people talk about the 
police or when I hear certain critical black scholars talk about the police or critical black folks in general, um, one of the things that always takes me back to um, to this issue of police and policing is is the foundations and the foundations of the police in the United States sense is is heavily, 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 heavily been tied to um, the enslavement of black African people within the United States or the, the post enslavement. Well, the, the enslavement, right. Um, of, 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 of having these slave patrols, of having these bounty catchers, of having these hordes of, of, of white men that were used to, um, to tracking us, to tracking black people within the United States of catching them, of bringing them back to, you know, the plantation. And so, um, you know, you can, Google it, Google images of, you know, the, 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 the badge and all that stuff. Right. But, you know, the, the, the police badge that, that we commonly see, you know, the, the star and the four points and all that stuff. Um, that, that's the, that's the, the same remnants of that, uh, is, is, is from a slave catcher badge. Um, and that's, something that that we have to understand and something that we have to 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 really talk about right like the foundation of the nation the foundation of the laws the foundation of where these systems and institutions and whatnot um are coming from and have come from and what's often left out of that is uh talking about again you know the education system and so one of the things that i did want to kind of talk about was just anti-blackness in general with the the education system but particularly the higher education system uh, and this was something that uh has been on my mind it's been on something that i i've, I've really been thinking critically about uh, of just how much anti-blackness is, is rooted within the, 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 the historically white higher education system within the United States of America. And so I, I, uh, one of the, one of the texts that digs into this and, you know, there will be a portion of this podcast that I'll try to, you know, tie in, you know, a book to or recommend a book, book that I'm reading. Uh, and I wanted to start the episode with that. But, um, you know, just just kind of going through a stream of consciousness. There are just other things that need to be discussed regarding Tyree Nichols. But um, one of the books that that talks about, uh, you know, the white supremacist foundations of the higher education system in the United States is Craig Craig Wilder's uh ebony and uh ivory ebony and ivory ebony and ivy um ebony and ivy is the book sorry excuse me i'm over here thinking about uh stevie wonder and uh what was that paul mccartney something like that but uh no wait yeah yeah, yeah. but um ebony and ivory right and so ebony and ivory is uh, a, a historical higher education text, um, brilliant text that talks about the foundations of higher education in the U.S. as it relates to um, the Ivy League, um, Ivy League institutions. Um, and 
in that text, we we see a a number of just wild, wild, wild circumstances that that um, acts acts of white supremacy that indicates why it's so ingrained and why it's so embedded uh, on these high, predominantly white, historically white higher education campuses, but across the system in, in general, right? Uh, and so there's key points in the book where, uh, you know, Dr. Wilder, Craig Wilder discusses how there was this mass land grab of, uh, of uh, in, in the United States, how early settlers not only took land, but repurposed and used this land to, to carve out, of course, towns and cities. And, uh, but, but the purpose really is, you know, these educational institutions and not only carve out this land, but how they wanted to repurpose uh, and appropriate, well, I wouldn't say appropriate, but how they wanted to repurpose native indigenous peoples uh, and how they wanted to change them into a more white Eurocentric way. And of course that happened with the, uh, the genocide and the land grab of, of course, native indigenous people by white supremacists. Also in this text is how these uh, university officials, how these university alumni, how uh, they wrapped the institution of slavery around these Ivy League institutions, namely Harvard, Harvard University, um, and but not but not just Harvard, right? They talk about William and Mary's other texts, right? All of these all of these institutions on the East Coast and the Ivies are implicated. Uh, in this, but how they relied on and utilized black labor to build these campuses and not only to build these campuses, but how these white supremacists, these white folks, these white institutions um, relied on enslaved black people and their labor to do certain tasks around the university in order for professors and administrators uh, to do their work, to do their research, in order for students to, to learn, to be taught, right? And it's, it's something that has always blown my mind that's not discussed or talked about more in the foundations of, of higher education. There's a, in, in, in one of the key foundation texts, this is hardly ever discussed. Uh, it, I think, you know, it, it might be a paragraph in which racial inequities is, is discussed. And it's vastly, vastly irritating and mind boggling to to me and my person and, and why I don't <laughs> I don't recommend the text. But um, at least not if you're trying to learn it from a critical perspective. But in Ebony and uh, in Ebony and Ivy. It details how these institutions would not have been able to be built to run if it weren't for uh, enslaved labor, not only in the U.S., but also in the Caribbean. And how money from the enslavement of, of black people in the U.S. and the Caribbean was utilized from these alumni bases to 
continue building up these elite Ivy League institutions. And there's so much in this text, so much in this text, and I can't talk about it all um, in the confines of of this podcast. But, you know, it details scientific racism and how the bodies of enslaved people who, again, after death, after they had already passed away, after they died, would be dissected. Right. These these white supremacists, these these white folks didn't understand race. They were trying to make sense of race. And so in order to make sense of in order to make sense of race, they had to um, they, they were trying to dissect our our bodies to see if we were truly different than them, if we could um, they had they had to rationalize if we could think like them or if we could uh, if we could come into knowing into being like them because they didn't understood they didn't understand excuse me what race was you know Stuart Hall talks about how Stuart Hall is a, a, a Jamaican uh, black Jamaican British sociologist who talked about race as a floating signifier and in that when, when they were when they were focusing on building these institutions and when they were trying to figure out what race meant and who and what and how black people moved throughout the world. It was more based on this, this phenotypical or this, this visual piece, right? Skin tone, ears, hair, nose, body composition and mass. And so these, these things or these pieces that, that Stuart Hall kind of digs into is a, a really, really uh, deep and interesting understanding of how race was forming throughout these different um, eras of, of human life and, and, and society, especially from like the, the, of course, the white perspective. And what Stuart Hall comes to, 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 to name is that race is this very floating concept that, um, that is that 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 is that is signified um, through through acts of life, through society, through through barriers that that certain groups of people um, experience. And what I take away from it is that those white folks didn't know what the heck they were talking about. Right. The, the common understanding was that, um, well, that there's no point in me. Um, I guess going down that going down that that road, maybe there'll be a, a race a signifier, uh, race and a fully signifier. Um, podcast episode one day because um, it's it's just a dope lecture. But um, the point in saying this is that you know these higher education institutions were one of the the leading factors in the mistreatment of black and indigenous people, um, but black people in, in in the United States and their in their enslavement, not only their enslavement, um, but the mutilation of their their bodies. Um, in life and death. And it's something that's not really talked about that much. Near the end of the book, uh, Craig Wilder digs into how uh, some of these university officials wanted to erase the stains of of anti-blackness, of um, anti-indigenous oppression that these white Euro settlers had caused in the United States, how, um, and, and for me, it's just like, well, they, that, that's just like evidence of, you know, 
white folks using white supremacy to commit crimes and then immediately wanting to to stamp it out, immediately wanting to remove it as if it never happened to try to create or an early example of trying to create this race neutral or race race evasive society. And I bring this book up and this text up because I think it's important to to remember and to recall and to dig into how institutions within this country began, where they began, how they began, and whose backs and whose lives they began on. And so for me, as someone who is squarely within um, higher education and who has been in higher education and who studies education, but higher education as well, it's one of those pieces that we have to not only and I'm not going to say we, I'm not going to say we as as Chadrick James Galloway, the, the black professor, but the system of higher education and the people with the privilege, the, the racial privilege, the economic privilege, the the the, the gendered privilege and in the system of higher education have to atone for um, as well as these universities um, has to atone for. And it's not just to say that, you know, these Ivy League institutions were the only ones because they're the only ones implicated in this specific text. But to be clear, we we see uh, anti-black and anti-indigenous logics um, or actions across all of these these institutions. Right. They for these institutions, um, many of them, most of them probably all of them, but I can't say that definitively, um, but a, a good wealth of them for them to exist, for them to be here, um, where they are at, they benefited from, from white supremacy by removing, uh, indigenous peoples from, from their lands. Uh, and not only that, they, they more than likely, depending on when they started, benefited from, uh, from black and slave labor and or uh, their alumni or their current students or their current students' families, right? Or they're, they're, well, not current as in 2018, but as in, you know, 18, you know, 02 benefited from this system of, of enslavement. And so that's, that's something that not only needs to be acknowledged, but needs to be atoned for because of the way that historically marginalized groups, historically oppressed groups, black folks, native indigenous folks um, are treated on these higher education campuses. I engaged in a a conversation about this with um, another person, and, and and it's this one of those things that I said I wanted to engage in uh, in this in this setting is like, well, what are the stories that we have in this system? What are the stories that we have dealing with racism, 
white supremacy, white supremacist racism across the system of education. How do we talk about and elevate these stories, but how do we also get into our means of survival? When I was considering the the topic that I wanted to discuss for this this next episode, um, I was like, oh, yeah, I can talk about higher education. I can talk about my own experiences. And I couldn't find one because I could only keep coming up with, you know, oh, I could talk about this one. I could talk about that one. It just it just seemed like I had so many different experiences of anti-blackness in higher education from the community college that I went to um, all the way up to the four-year institution that I transferred to, to the, uh, to, to the, to the graduate school that I went to and, and to now, um, you know, in my role as, as a, uh, as a professor. And so those things are, are so interesting to me because there's not one step of the way where I could say, oh yeah, like I wasn't really actively experiencing or I didn't experience anti-blackness. Or when I went to this summer research program, everything was copacetic and I was treated well by the white students. Or when I did this or that, you know, there were people of color there who were non-black people of color there and there were no there was no anti-black, you know, treatment that <laughs> that have went on. And so it took me a while to kind of sit here and say like, dang, I have really seen experience heard listened to anti-blackness um at every single phase of my higher education journey and to me there's no doubt in connection to um the foundation of higher education in the united states which of course as i've said before rooted in the uh the genocide of native indigenous people and, and, and the stealing of their land. And of course the enslavement of um, African people and their, and their descendants. And so when I was thinking about what I wanted to discuss, I guess I became stuck more so because I didn't know, I, I didn't, I didn't have an idea of, what is the most salient or what is the the anti-black experience that I have that that I really want to to detail? And so uh, thinking about my experiences in higher education, I mean, in education in general, I feel like every single major uh, barrier battle situation where I was like, yo, I need to drop out. I need to leave. I can't do it. Bad grades almost every situation I can trace back to an experience of, of race and an experience of, uh, of, of, of racial oppression experience of maybe even being misunderstood, um, because of the, of, of my race. But one of the, the big pieces that I, there, I wouldn't be here. There would be no Dr. James Galloway, Dr. JG is, as as, as some folks call me, none of that would even exist. Uh, it actually came from being in a, a sociology, uh, program and was in this class, was in this, this, this whack class, uh, on, uh, Basically, you know, I, I would say how uh, how how humans, how people across the globe 
use technology is is the in, in layman's terms or in simple terms, right? How humans use technology. And so I was hot in the class every week and week out. I think for, for one period of time, we were talking about Egypt and really it was the colonization of Egypt that, you know, white folks came in and started messing with some things. And because they started messing with some things, a whole bunch of people got sick and died. Uh, and the, the, the case of this is when uh, I want to say it was the British um, colonized Egypt or when it were in Egypt. I think it's the British. I hope it's the British because if not, I'm going to look uh, <laughs> I'm going to look foolish. But I want to say it was the British. And uh, they went to Egypt and they dammed up the uh, the Nile River. And that had catastrophic uh, results, catastrophic results for um, for everyone that was in Egypt at that time, because, you know, what it what it did was it 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 rerouted a, a particular type of mosquito and that mosquito carried malaria uh and so I, I don't have the you know the specifics on it but i know there was a, a damming of the nile river um it rerouted a, a a mosquito um from from where it was naturally kind of chilling and it was making people sick and a whole bunch of people were dying and in that course I was like, oh, this is this is this is this is messed up. This is jacked up like this is um, this is white supremacist racism. This is this is not a, like this, this has everything to do with race. And I was told in that class that it didn't have anything to do about race and they really didn't want to discuss race and race wasn't the focus of um, the, the 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 seminar. But it was technology. Technology was the focus of the seminar. And so I was like, okay, cool. I understand that. But we have to talk about how race is implicated in these things. And so it was kind of like a consistent piece over time where I kept talking about race and kept talking about race and kept talking about race and bringing race up and bringing race back to the forefront of the conversations because everything that we were talking about was implicated by white supremacist racism in that course every single issue of humans and their use of technology because we were talking about white people we definitely weren't talking about black people we definitely weren't talking about brown people um you know we definitely weren't talking about people of color's use of technology god forbid we do that we were talking about white folks but we didn't racialize white people right it was just oh they're from britain or oh they're from this part of europe or that part of europe they were white people right and so um and and typically their impact the impact of the technology was on people of color um especially in this case of of egypt and so uh at the end of that semester you know, wrote papers, did did this and that. And I, and I mean, I struggled in that class. I felt like the, I don't know if the professor had it out for me or not. It felt like it. But at the end of that, end of that um, semester, I got like a, I got a C plus in that class. Only C plus that I've gotten um, in higher education. 
if, if I'm not mistaken. Only C plus I've gotten in higher education. Now, there were some close calls. There was like a there was a chemistry class my first semester at community college. I believe that was a B minus and that was a doozy. Um, but this was, if I'm not mistaken, my first C, C, C plus came in graduate school in the first year of my, of my doctoral program in sociology. And I was sitting there like, yo, what? There was no check-ins. There was no check-ins about my grade. There were no, Hey, you know, um, this is what you can do to improve. There was no, Oh, um, let me try to assist you in your, this or your thinking or your writing, or you have typos or you have this or you have none of that. None of that. There was no teaching or educate educating on anything that I was doing wrong. C plus. So for those of you that don't know, most graduate programs, especially doctoral programs, um, you you have to keep a certain GPA to stay in them. Um, you can't just be getting any grade. You can't just like bees. Bees ain't gonna cut it. Bees ain't cool. And so at that time, I think the program had like a 3.0 GPA requirement. And I was at 3.2 or something like that after the first semester. I was close. Maybe it was a 3.2 and I had a 3.4. All I remember was I was close to that to that point of after my first semester being exited from the program due to my GPA. And so I remember going to my advisor and freaking out and talking about it and being nervous and being scared. And, you know, because this is what I wanted to do. I always wanted to be um, Dr. Galloway, Dr. It would be Dr. James Galloway. I always wanted to get my Ph.D. Even before I even really knew what a Ph.D. was, I knew I wanted one. I knew that was my goal. That was my dream. And that's what I was working for. But when I got into my doctoral program, my first doctoral program, there weren't any supports for for my black self. And there was nobody really critically trying to engage with me or help me through this process. And so when I got the C plus. It was like my world came crashing down because I literally thought I'm about to be up out of here. And I got to find something else to do. And so what was uh, and so long story short of it, you know, I, I ended up transitioning programs and, and, and got to a much better place. And that's a story for another time. But what was interesting to me was that the year after I left that program, a black man entered the program. And I was the only black man in my um I was the only black man uh, uh, in that program at the time, Um, I believe. Actually, no, there was another brother that started with me, and I believe they ended up leaving as well um, after me. So I left after my first year and transferred to another program in the in in the college of um, or in the university. but there were a lot of decisions that led to that. Um, so I apologize for hopping around, but I want to close the gap up a little bit. So the, the 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 like, oh, I need to get up out of here, out of here. Like part one was, oh, I got this C plus. What the heck is happening right now? The part two was um, 
you know, the department head, then department head, he was giving some whack talk about uh, about classism, about class, right? Um, social class, incomes, how, how much people make. And they're just, just real old white and not uh, in touch with what social identities are and can be. And, and whiteness was all up in his 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 uh his talk and he had said in that talk uh he said class is the only true social identity race not a real social identity gender not a real social identity and so after getting the c plus and hearing this man talk about this i was just like oh nah i got to go this ain't gonna work for me and there was an exit plan that that was executed um, that was executed. And so what was interesting to me is after I left the program, there was another brother who who true transitioned um, into the sociology program. And then he got a C in the same class and the same professor that I got a C in. And so I said, oh, wait a minute. I thought I was tripping. I thought me coming up in here and talking my talk and doing my thing, I thought I was tripping. And that's what sometimes, a lot of times, race and racism has to do. It makes you think that you're the one that's wrong or that you're the one that is making the the mistake. And so watching what that brother went through, he too ended up leaving the program. And I want to say there was another uh, black person that that happened to after as well. I believe it was a black woman. And so um, in three or four years, there were there there were three or four black admits, and everybody that I knew that looked like me left the program because of issues of of, of anti blackness that that they were dealing with, um, not only in how they were treated, but also in the the grades that we were receiving. And so it was almost like, well, we'll let you in the program, but you but staying in the program is a whole different ball game. And to me personally. All of that is tied up into the the foundation of higher education in the United States. All of that is tied up into, um, you know, why black students, black men, black women, um, black, black trans and non-binary folks are treated a certain way on higher education campuses and across the historically white system of higher education. And, and that includes HBCUs in that. But. You know, there, that that's a that's a, a different piece around white supremacy and, and funding that that HBCUs um, are forced to have been forced to to, to take and receive, um, you know, which has uh, been highlighted in in higher education scholarship. And so there, there's a there's a litany of ways that I feel. I've been mistreated by. Uh, by the system of higher education as a uh, as a black student, uh, undergraduate student, graduate student, um, as a student affairs person or briefly like a brief moment in student affairs um, as a researcher, as a scholar. And I know there's. A hundred other examples that I could point to, and I know that that is probably also the case for. Um, someone who may be listening to um, this podcast who who is black and or a another um, 
another marginalized, historically marginalized racial group. I wanted to share this story. I'm not sure why I wanted to share this story, but it was placed on, you know, my mind and my heart when when it was time to kind of sit down and record this this piece for this week. I wanted to share this because there are black students, black undergrads, black graduate students who are navigating these institutions and who are probably actively dealing with anti-blackness in their programs right now. And I hope that they hear this and I hope that they listen to it and I hope that they find solace in knowing that it's not them and it's not just them and it's not just cold or chilly because, um, you know, uh, because they think they're tripping. They're not tripping. You're not tripping. It's because of, you know, the environment that you are engaging with. And this is not an indictment of my graduate program in sociology, but an indictment of what I know to be true for my homies that were in uh, animal science, for my homies that were in biology and mathematics, for my homies that were in, um, you know, psychology, like for my homies that have been in uh, public health, there's a plethora of us that have master's degrees and PhDs and and, and in the arts and sciences and in the humanities. And all of us have similar stories of what we had to go through to get to get ourselves out of these programs. And we all ain't make it. Some of us had to transfer institutions. Some of us just say, you know what, this ain't for me. I'm about to go on and live my life somewhere else and I'm going to be good. But I know that there are graduate students in these programs right now that are struggling that are dealing with faculty members who are telling them wild things about race, who are telling them wild things about gender, who are telling them wild things about themselves, about how they think, about how they act, about how they write. And it's something that we have to talk about more. It's something that we have to dig into more. And it's something that I feel needs to be discussed on a, a, a large level not only because of the foundation of these institutions, but because of the harm that is being enacted on these these black graduate students as well as other graduate students of color on a regular basis, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. And I ain't even talking about how it was going down in their GA appointments um, or RA or TA appointments, right? I'm talking about how it feels to enter the building or the room um, or program or the cohort as one of one or one of two, um, but also to have these issues of race pop up and populate during during these times and to feel like no one else there has your back because maybe that faculty member of color isn't there. A black faculty member isn't around or maybe they're trying to get tenure and they have to lay low, right? Like all of these other competing factors. And so, there's a larger conversation that needs to be had on these higher education campuses by black graduate students about how they are being treated um, or how we have been. Or I'm not, I can't say we anymore, um, but how how, you know, black graduate students have been treated and hopefully systems, systems and structures set up to to help black grad students and undergrad students get through and get out of of these programs. One of the pieces of 
this podcast that I would appreciate, of course, is help with the, the generation of stories, the generation of experiences, the, gener- the, the generation, the, the creating of of experiences. And so this podcast is there ain't no like monetization. I don't get paid to do this. They're, they're, I'm not running ads or anything like that. I just I do it because. Um, a mentor, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person and mentor, Dr. Adrian Dixon, um, you know, suggested it and pushed me to do it. Um, and I'm enjoying it myself. Um, but one piece of it that I want to move forward and I'll keep bringing it up at the end of each episode is really want to hear the stories of people that have experienced issues of race and racism and gendered racism, uh, in education. And so, I know it's probably a lot to to figure out times to interview people and get people on the mic and, and, and chat with them. But if you have a story, if you have a topic, if you have a testimonial uh, that details your experiences as a student, as a teacher, as a parent, as a community member, um, as an activist uh, from any side of education informal formal classroom out the classroom walking to the building any situation of race and racism in education i would encourage you to 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 email me at uh race talk school talk at, at gmail.com um and please just share your story with me i would i would love to uh, to and of course read it alive or aloud um, on this platform because there are so many stories that that we are dealing with and that we have experienced that again have to be shared and have to get out and have to be cataloged and on the flip side of that and I'll do this on the next episode is to really engage us in not only what was the thing that 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 hindered us or slowed us but also how how did you remain how did you keep your humanity intact and so the next time I record, and I guess I got to sit down and think through it, but I'm going to talk about that, right? Like I, the first year of my grad program was riddled with anti-blackness and I was about to be out that thing and it was challenging, but there's a story on the other side about how I survived and those around me that helped me survive that in my mind is a really, really positive piece of black humanity of survival that I think is important to note. And so again, race talk, uh, school talk at gmail.com. Um, send, send your story, read it out, talk it out, chat it out. Um, again, this could be a positive story about, uh, about race regarding, um, something that may not have anything to do with oppression. Or it can have something to do with oppression, but whatever you feel led to share, I would appreciate um, being able to read it personally, but also share it on this platform. So I'll leave that there. As always, appreciate folks for listening. This is a very long episode. um, And so if you made it all the way through, definitely appreciate it. And uh, I will get at y'all next time. Peace.